Blog Talk Radio. Charles Collingsworth at the White House in Washington, D.C. For many of you, this will be your first visit to this historical landmark. Our tour through these hallowed halls will be conducted by the First Lady.
grandmother killed my great-great-grandfather. And your white-great-grandfather sold my great-grandfather. And your white-grandfather raped my grandmother. And your father stole, cheated, lied, and robbed my father. What kind of a fool would I have to be to say, come, my friend, to the white daughter and son? Good evening, America. This is your president. Please listen carefully to the announcement I'm about to make. After careful consideration and research, Vice President Duke, Congress, and myself have concluded that black people have not advanced technologically. Their educational testing scores are on a rapid decline. The vast majority of them are on welfare and producing babies at a faster rate than they can support them. And we will not carry them anymore. We are left with no other choice but to put slavery back into effect. All blacks will report to the designated camps in their area to receive further orders. The only blacks excused will be those serving in the United States military and the police. Any blacks who do not cooperate will be terminated immediately. I repeat, slavery is back in effect. We are at war! That's what I told you. I know you heard what the president said, and if the nigga don't move, then he's dead. It's time for us to take the stand. Woman to woman and man to man. Blood rushes through your veins, you feel the fear. Who'd have thought that it could happen here? In the land of the free, home of the brave. The year's 95, you're a slave. Some know it's shocked when they first hear the news. Press play and then rewind and review. But the message is clear and it cuts just like the knife. You don't surrender, they take your life. And I remember some movies my mama used to show me. What's your name? Remember the times when they bought and they sold us. We are That's what I told you. 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 Once again, no 
My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Following Brother Anthony, we now bring in Brother Haki, who represents the African Awareness Association. Brother Haki, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haki Kamaka Mishoki. Coming with African awareness, and of course, Brother Africa, you know my thing is all about institution building. But prior to, you know, in the discussion on institution building, one of the things I think is very, very key in terms of that process, one of the things we have to, you know, we have to recognize on a conscious level the kind of psychological stratagems they employ in terms of keeping us, keeping us confused to keep us away from what the real issues are. Interestingly enough, you know, recently there's been much discussion around the concept of woke. Now, of course, when you ask these conservatives what woke means, none of them can define what woke is. But unless they're able to reiterate that, that word, that concept, over and over again to give it legitimacy so people start saying woke without even knowing what the hell woke is. Now, woke has run its course. Now, what they're doing now, they're, they're implementing an old moniker, and that is a victimhood mentality. Again, this is all about discrediting people who attempt to uh, deconstruct or explain how the system actually works. But having that, keeping that in mind, Brother Africans, I want you to listen to this. Now, an old moniker coined by conservatives has resurfaced. That moniker, victimhood mentality, seeks to perpetuate inequality and injustice, all the while disavowing institutions or individuals' influences and creating social political conditions and showing the worst aspects of society proliferates. The significance of institutions concealing their impact on human behavior by institutions, policies, enables the proliferation of power for the wealthy to excel with the masses unaware of the wealth's growing influence and the hardships inflicted on working and or poor people. This insidious design of capitalism institutions can best be deconstructed by social sciences like sociology. Sociology, which evaluates society, focused on human social behavior, social interactions and relationships, and institutions' impact on human behavior, clarifies the contradictory nature of capitalist society. For example, in the economic prosperous U.S., the middle class is vastly declining, essentially resulting in two economic classifications consisting of working people, those earning over 100, up to 156000 a year, and the wealthy earning in excess of $200,000 per year. Now, debate can be had over what salary epitomizes what class standing, but the indisputable truth remains, polarization of the have and the have-nots is widening. Now, what, what capitalists would see as survival of the fittest justifying the inhumane treatment of the poor majority earning $50,000 per year or less? The horrifying implications are more grave. While the have and have-nots advocate to improve their material conditions, the reality is the wealthy are advantaged in a capitalist society while the poor are relegated to depending on the goodwill of enlightened capitalists with a modicum of compassion for humanity. Even so, this minute number of people or principal individuals are in the final analysis capitalists, and the notion these individuals will negate or sacrifice their interests is questionable. Now, in the final analysis, increasing numbers of poor people, a distinct feature of capitalism, poses an existential threat to capitalistic institutions and must be confronted. One of the means employed by capitalism to discredit economic concerns of the poor is to discredit their concerns by employing psychological stratagems, elevating the perceived goodness of capitalistic institutions 
and the ineptitude or uselessness of working people. In creating this dichotomy, flow of information would be key to ensure hiding of negative attitudes toward poor people to ensure their continued subjugation. Like the 1980s, any information that reveals implicit inequality or corruption of capitalist institutions or the function of society would no longer be allowed to be aired by mainstream media. In abolishing the fairness doctrine by, by former President Ronald Reagan, this course of fundamental unfairness of U.S. institutions will no longer be allowed discussion, and the poor increasingly will be portrayed as pariah or individuals on their own accord lacking innovation and drive to achieve the American dream. Now, this psychological dimensions of establishing the economy of institutions versus the poor facilitates the visions in an imperative way <clears throat> in which both sides of the class divide would be presented as victims. The capability of qualifying victimhood existed. The odds are victimhood affiliated with right-wing activists would weigh much heavier than victimhood affiliated with left-wing activism. Of course, horrendous events sometimes manifest in pursuing left-wing objectives, like, for example, the message is left behind explaining the motivation of a transgender person killing of three children and three adults in an elementary school in Tennessee. The turmoil and agony of this person experienced as a transgender child in a Catholic school must have been traumatic, but it cannot justify slaughter of innocent people. Unlike right-wing pursuit of economic political objectives, the stream or potential stream of human destruction far exceeds the unfortunate deaths of six people, making the callousness difficult to quantify between com competing motivations. Now, even though the attempt of capitalist think tanks were to create social political narratives to discredit the poorest critique of U.S. society by labeling such speech as engaging in victimhood, the intent of the strategy failed in response to left-wing narrative that equated acquiescence to conservative platitudes as tantamount to promoting parroting a political line without context. Conservatives' attempt to diminish social commentary as fake victimhood instead spurred a classification of real victimhood in which actions viewed as counterproductive to the elevation of humanity expose the motivations of those working to undermine humanity, thus exposing real victimhood. What conservatives historically bestowed on right-wing narratives as take-control kind of people willing to destruction of life out of moral conviction increasingly are, seen, are being seen as agents of discord, unaware their actions result in catastrophic harm to humanity while, while failing in its objective to prevent change, which is inevitable. So who are the real victims? Such individuals are bound, but there are some who are who rise above others in their victimhood. First, Taylor Green, a Republican out of Georgia. Ms. Green, a victim of comedic timing, alluded to Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi's Gaspacho police spies. Gaspacho is a cold soup. She meant Gestapo, which is West Nazi era Germany. When asked about the era, she doubled down saying, they, the people, will be thrown in the goulash. Goulash, again, is a type of soup. Perhaps she meant gulag or an internment like camp. Obviously, embarrassment to the Republican Party or the ruling class is not an issue. As long as Ms. Green persists in carrying out right-wing propaganda, she will be financed. The inevitable, the inevitable consequences of mainstreaming idiocracy is that it legitimizes low economic or academic expectations. Given U.S. educational challenges, Victims like Ms. Green only serves capitalist interests in dumbing down the population. Now, the second victim highlighted is Douglas Mackey, who is a.k.a. Ricky Vaughn. Mr. Mackey was found guilty of disseminating false information encouraging people to vote for Hillary Clinton via text while pro providing a fake text number. Conservatives were incensed, stating, quote, 
It is the dumb people who text for a political presidential candidate that should be on trial, end quote. Mackey's assertion he was naive is certainly one justification. But like the quintessential victim, actions employed are beneficial to others. In this case, Mackey's actions were successful for the ruling class in that Trump prevailed. He was elected. The downside is Mackey is facing 10 years in jail for conspiracy to deny voting rights. During his trial, no powerful political elite surfaced to defend Mackey's actions. Like all victims, once an action concludes, the usefulness of the victim is no longer relevant. Now, interestingly, there are some examples in the conservative world. Eric Grossberg, a former Fox News producer, was fired for not, be, for not being a victim or a willing victim. Executives alleged Ms. Grossberg talked about privileged information ensuring her firing, but reports indicate she was following dictates of higher-ups. The plan was to get Ms. Grossberg to take legal responsibility for the fraudulent reporting on Dominion voting machines to protect the corporation and the higher-ups. It's nice to see that Ms. Grossberg didn't go for that, and as a result, uh, she resisted her own victimhood. And certainly, I implore more people to resist victimhood and not to play ball with, the, with, the, with these um, uh, uh, maladapted, uh, uh, crazy uh, Republicans in positions of power, you know, who implement policies which are, which are specifically geared toward the basement of all hu- human, human society. And I'll close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. And we're going from Brother Haki to our Brother Moses, who can pardon the sea. Brother Moses, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I bear witness that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. And the struggle continues to be to unite the many to defeat the few. And particularly in, in this apartheid system we live in, uh, we understand that apartheid is a crime against the human soul, it is a moral outrage, and we condemn it. You know, the black freedom-loving people in the USA will continue to fight beside our Anglo freedom-loving brothers and sisters until this system of exploitation is discredited and abandoned. It is a system which attempts to divide us, leave our children without a legitimate father, and perpetuate anarchy within our family, our nation, and unleash anarchy within the government. And January 6th proved that. So anarchy and apartheid go together. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And from Brother Moses, we're going to bring in our sister, Sister Eleanor. Welcome to Africa on the Moon. Thank yes, you, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Africa, and uh, thank you for having me. Um, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Oh, thank yes, we you. Can. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, uh, thank you for having me, and good evening to our fellow, my fellow analysts, to you, Brother Africa, and to our listening audience in the United States and abroad. Um, I'd also like to wish uh, Washingtonians 
a happy Emancipation Day. Today is April 16th in 1862. Uh, Africans in the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, uh, were were freed and their uh, the enslaved people were freed and their enslavers were paid handsomely for their freedom. Uh, it's been a weekend of celebration and uh, reuniting families and music and the arts here in the district. Uh, I am an artist an environmentalist, and a human rights advocate, and I am delighted and honored to be on this evening's program. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. You're listening to Africa on the Moon. I'm Brother Africa. This is Africa on the Moon, and what we're going to do real quickly, we're going to go to a quick station break. We're going to give you some music with a message. And when we come back, we're going to start our first segment off today, What's Going On In Your World and the Community. We invite you to join us by dialing 323-679-0841 and share with us what's going on in your world and the community. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Moon. Living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to last through my journey, yeah, to last through my journey, yeah. Time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. Must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey. Yeah, and made it through. My journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Hellerino, a bloodline across the waters, from Benin to Salvador Bahia, a scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. 
the clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. The light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be, to know that I've been here, and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. 
crazy. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. I took back my eyes and all black tonight. That's right, some niggas gotta sacrifice. Not a criminal. No, I'm a seminal. Yeah. I was free once, now I'm clinical. You so technical. This was Mexico. Now everywhere I go is owned by Mexico. Fuck them. Fuck them and the rest Hell of you. Yeah. I turn a phone to a back hopper. I'ma roll with the aliens. Man, fuck these homo sapiens. They don't really wanna make friends. All they want is a Mercedes Benz. All they want is they dividends and decibels. Fuck these citizens. They'll treat us like hooligans. Throw him in, they don't care what school he in. These people don't play fair. It ain't even fair at the state fair. Give a young nigga gray hair. That's why I'm here. Make your ass lay there. You better stay there. Close your fucking eyes like a daycare. Make myself clearer than Shakespeare. I'm here to take money, even fake hair. So desperate is what I'm left with. For the record, you affected. Who you elected is so septic. So full of shit, I can't accept it. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. I reside on the west side. I murder with my third eye. Nigga so fly, get a bird's eye. I make him scream bloody murder. Let's meet at the White House. Run in and turn the lights out. Man, they treat it like a trap house. These motherfuckers never take the trash out. They just cash out and mash out. Nigga, take your drugs and pass out. Niggas love to go that fast route. I see you when your black ass get out. Homie, you play too much. Why these devils, they doing way too much. Most of them won't say too much. Why they steady planning? God knows what. That's why I roll with the real ones. Real ones, trying to reach millions. Real ones, trying to make billions. Real ones, dressed like civilians. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. The president and all of those criminals who are aided and abetted of committing crimes against humanity. Welcome back to Africa on the Moon. As your host, Brother Africa. We will do our best to give you what you need and may not necessarily what you want. And to start us off today on what's going on in your world community, we're going to bring in our brother Haki. And brother Haki, what's going on in your world in the community? Well, brother Africa, I have to uh, I have to keep it keep it real. I have to keep it one hundred because uh, one of the things that you know we, we, we talk about we talk about the uh, the nature of decline in society. Often we don't talk about the psychological aspect in terms of decline of the society. But clearly, uh, capitalism is, is is devastating. I mean, it's affecting people mentally across the board. And one of the biggest problems in the society is the question of depression. But often people don't make the correlation or the connection between capitalism and depression. So I wrote this briefly in terms of in hopes that people would really contemplate this question in terms of precisely and and its impact on people's lives in the society. In event, Brother Africa, check this out. 
and the correlation between social economic factors and mental illness has not been broadly discussed since former President Reagan ended the Fairness Doctrine in the 1980s. Necessity of concealing this relationship is key to capitalism's longevity. Official narrative must be constructed in a manner capitalism's negative impact on society must be hidden. hidden. Recently, a young man, Connor Sturgeon, 25 years old, out of Kentucky, killed five people in a bank. Mainstream media cleverly concealed the fact Connor's motivations was not to rob the bank, but to seek out those that conceivably wronged him. In hiding this fact, any questions pertaining to the precarious nature of human relationships and the factors that complicate human relationships were abrogated or concealed. Mr. Connor's parents stated he was depressed. Depression, interestingly, is very prevalent in U.S. society, but despite its persistence, little if any discussion is allowed, particularly as it relates to capitalism institutions and the level of stress imposed upon the population. It should be pointed out there are two prevailing thoughts on the origin of depression. One, states depression is inherited or biochemical. The second sees depression resulting from socioeconomic factors like poverty, unemployment, and poor health care. Even though it is widely accepted that uh, <clears throat> depression is a function of genetics, new information has surfaced repudiating this position. Some theories long held depression as a result of hormonal brain imbalance, and the solution was antidepressants or psychotropic medication. Studies by the Critical Psychiatric Network reveals attempts to balance brain chemistry is not, pro- is not possible by medication. Casting thought on the premise, on original premise. If the assertion brain chemistry is the corporate and that assumption is disproved or wrong, then the catalyst or origin of depression must lie elsewhere. This, the fact pharmaceutical firms average $1.42 trillion per year is certainly a power economic incentive to promote the brain imbalance theory. Now, in viewing the second theory about depression, it resonates with a certain credibility. Capitalism is quite effective at promoting low self-esteem among people, facilitating a poor outlook on life, and intolerable levels of stress. Assessment of these variables very much encapsulates existence in a capitalist society. Ironically, in the U.S. society, these variables are magnified, resulting in depression being the number one mental impairment in the society. Such mental impairment manifested as chronic is a constant feature of U.S. society. In fact, one in ten adults are diagnosed depressed in 2020. One in five adolescents, 12 to 17-year-olds, are classified as such, with 18 to 25-year-olds representing 17.2% of all recorded cases. These numbers should not be viewed in relation to economic downturns starting in the year 2000 with the dot-com recession or deep recession or depression, but have their precedent in early U.S. historical events highlighting the relationship between capitalism and its destructive impact on emotional psychological stability of people. During the Great Depression, 1929-1932, high unemployment, poverty, homelessness, and bank failures, this should sound familiar to everybody uh, who's familiar with going on in American society, resulted in 30% of the adult population committing suicide. Levels of mental depression elevated to unprecedented levels that saw mental hospital admissions increase by a factor of three, while alcohol consumption increased relative to the 1920s as people sought ways to mask despair and the feelings of hopelessness engendered by feelings of depression. Now, just masking the feelings of depression has long been evident in U.S. society. Longing to escape reality and feel good has long been the mantra of people attempting to shrug off the paralyzing effect of depression by use of drugs, both illicit and legal. By pointing out the use of drugs to mask depression, I am negating the commercial, I'm not negating the commercial benefits to governments and individuals who capitalize on the $320 billion in untaxed profits that accrue yearly. 
these individuals profit and make the drugs, cocaine, whether it be cocaine, heroin, and marijuana, available. But the detectable significance of allowing these, these little drugs, particularly illicit drugs, are seldom acknowledged. In James Mill's book, The Underground Empire with Crime and Government's Brace, the strategic benefits of allowing drugs to proliferate in certain communities is beneficial to capitalism. More importantly, those variables that inform depression, whether it be poverty, hopelessness, and despair, if left to their own device, might lead to organized anger that threaten capitalist institutions. From a strategic point of view, the availability of drugs to the population not only provides means to mask feelings of depression, but removes any impulse to resist a system of domination that renders poor lives as unimportant. Now, increasingly, given capitalism's decline, the level of mental depression will increase. Currently, the biggest mental impairment in U.S. social economic decline will exponentially increase hopelessness among middle and working class individuals. Harry Dent, an economist, predicts Standard & Poor's 500, which is the 500 largest corporations that determine the wealth in the United States, will lose 86% of its value. In other words, all the free money or low-interest loans extended by the Federal Reserve to corporations, including banks, has resulted in job losses, reduced consumer spending, and reduction in revenues to the government. Succinctly stated, government's inability to fire investors to buy its debt results in a poorer country. Returns on government investments are too low to entice <coughs> investors to purchase U.S. stocks and bonds, <coughs> as reflected in the Standard Poor, Standard Poor 500 Index, highlighting poor economic out, out, excuse me, output, reflecting in part the Federal Reserve resistance in providing liquidity to corporations that are insolvent, unable to pay its expenses. Now, understanding the correlation between capitalism and mental health is important. This is important because mental depression does not preclude or prevent the effectiveness of U.S. corporations to condition people using propaganda. Currently in the, in the, in currently in the rural U.S., there's approximately 2.6 million people living with depression. Much of Republican messaging is aimed at this demographic, including urban conservatives, which reiterates the problem of white people emanates from the ethnic minorities and not capitalism itself. The debilitating characteristic of depression is that it weakens human resolve to investigate and clarify issues. The natural inclination is to embrace the information or the propagandistic information at hand because it does not require an exertion of energy to define what the problems are. The bottom line is the ruling elite desire to create a more pliable or more manipulated individual statistically improves when mental instability abounds. Connor Sturgeon's actions highlights the actions of the depressed when propaganda has been affected and the struggle for self-autonomy collides, resulting in blaming others, not the system itself. Unfortunately, in U.S. society, people are being conditioned to believe autonomy or, or control of one's life is only achievable by killing others. Now, keep in mind, depression of the mind makes all destruction and killing possible. If we superimpose capitalism to the humanization aspect, mental depression growth is inevitable. And that is a sad reality, but it's one reality we have to confront in terms of American society. And Brother Africa, I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Haiki. You definitely spoke truth to power. Now we make our transition to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world in the community? Okay. Um uh, let's see, of all the events happening in the world, a couple stick out to me of significance this week. Uh, Colombia is seeking to uh, extend its uh, diplomatic relationships with more African countries. 
Uh, currently, there are six Colombian embassies uh, uh, throughout Africa, and they want to they want to increase that number to all uh, independent African countries. Uh, and uh, this is significant because uh, Colombia is increasingly identifying itself with Africa. And uh, that is uh, so that is uh, in a, in a direct sense a victory uh, on the Afri- African identity question and a victory for Pan Africanism. Also, uh, in Haiti, the class struggle is intensifying. Uh, let's see. There, there's been many report. Few reports have been in the mainstream media have reported on the uh, on the fact that uh, Haiti, uh, particular point uh, uh, point of Prince, is being uh, is being dominated by so-called street gangs. And uh, actually, what is not uh, what is not being conveyed is that uh, is that the street gangs are the result of uh, the, uh, the displacement of the Haitian uh, population from uh, uh, from uh, uh, rural settings as a result of the flooding of Haiti with. Uh, cheap rice imports from the U.S. And the upshot of that is that it's made Haiti uh, dependent upon imports for its food supply, whereas prior to, uh, uh, to this flooding under the Clinton administration, uh, Haiti was self-sufficient in food. And as a result, because farmers could no longer make a living from agriculture, they started migrating to the cities. And as a result, that this caused uh, a strain on, uh, on uh, infrastructure services in the cities and resulted in, uh, in uh, gang formation and other uh, illicit activities. And right now, a former policeman is trying to organize the gangs uh, to uh, to take control of uh, of Haiti from uh, the forces of neocolonialism and imperialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony, and from Brother Anthony, because you're Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world in the community? Are you with us, Brother Moses? I thank you, Mayor Lawrence, Brother Moses. So right there, we're going to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, what's going on in your world and the community? Well, it's been a, a busy week, and it will be a busy week. Um, just a, a quick reminder that uh, today is Emancipation Day. Uh, on April 16, 1862, then-President Abraham Lincoln signed the 
Compensation Emancipation Act, freeing over 3,000 enslaved people in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and paying the former slaveholders up to $300 for each newly freed person. And to celebrate this day on Monday, April 17th from 2 to 5 p.m., Black Workers and the Wellness Center will reopen. Um, That's right. The Black Workers and Wellness Center will reopen on Monday, April 17th from 2 to 5. And uh, we'll celebrate D.C. Emancipation Day with the grand reopening of the BWWC. That's at 2500 Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue, Southeast. In addition to that, we see that China has uh, established a peace agreement, has broken a peace agreement between uh, Saudi Arabia and the Islamic Republic of Iran, in addition to establishing the first meeting in decades set up having the the horrible suffering that Saudi Arabia has inflicted on the Yemen people. I mean, unconscionable suffering among the Yemen people. And the peace process uh, that the U.S. had been working on was a bit of a sham. We've been, the U.S. has been uh, providing weapons for Saudi Arabia. Uh, You wouldn't know that from watching U.S. news or reading um, foreign affairs, but uh, this is uh, what's been happening. You also see that... uh, uh, you know, the racist attack on uh, on democracy in Tennessee, the expulsion of two black elected representatives from Tennessee state government continued a long racist tradition of removal of black people and political power in the United States, uh, almost being ignored in the media. Uh, uh, the conversation around Tennessee is the reason behind the expulsion that uh, Representative Jones and Johnson were part of a march of uh, some 7,000 young people after the shooting at a uh, religious school. I believe it's called the Coven School. So uh, we see a great deal going on and uh uh the the strange thing is the US has been unipopular you might say and with China having stepped in to play a role as the peace negotiator and Brazil also being willing to step in and address the uh Russian uh Ukraine issue we see a great deal of political change in the world. And uh, also Julian Assange, Assange is uh, still 
uh, fighting extradition to the United States. And uh, this week, uh, a scheduled meeting uh, with reporters to see with Assange was uh, reporters without borders was barred from a scheduled and vetted visit with him. And the U.S. and the U.K. do not want his voice to be raised and they uh, hope by silencing support for him, they can scare off other journalists' efforts that reveal the violence and corruption of the ruling order and the capitalist, imperialist, uh, British and U.S. and EU governments. Um, meanwhile, demonstrations continue to happen in France against raising the retirement age from 62 to 65. And, of course, uh, as far as the environment goes, there continues to be flooding, fires, and other national uh, natural disasters um, throughout the world. And one we rarely hear about is the crises that uh, people who depend on the Colorado River in seven states may be facing. So that's enough of of, of what's going on in my world. And I just, again, thank you for allowing me to participate this evening. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. This is Africa on the Moon. We're discussing what's going on in your world and the community. If you would like to share that with us, feel free to call 323-679-0841. We're going to take a rubber culture break, and when we come back, we will continue the discussion. Angela, you're my black brother. I, 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 I
Welcome back to Africa on the Moon on the 16th day of April, 2023. This is part two, Do You Remember the Days of Slavery? Before we go into that discussion, based upon some articles we are selected for this particular program, I would like to ask our political panelists analysts um, get their critique or their perspective on this phenomenon. I'm listening to the so-called uh, news station uh, earlier this week, and they were talking about some of the lawsuits that is coming down against Fox. There's an argument about they have intentionally deceived the people and not vexing or dumbing down on the content of their news based upon it being objective. And one of the legal opinions um, that were expressed dealing with that, with that case um, the lawyer made an assessment that it can be very difficult to pin Fox down on their lack of checking their content of their news because they are not really defined or, be, or is uh, registered as a news agency. They're more of an entertainment value, entertainment, and not news. So, therefore, you know, the criteria of judging that network will be judged from a different perspective. I'm just wondering what y'all make of that, what y'all think about that. Your take, Brother Haki. Uh, well, un unfortunately, Brother Africa, I think this attorney is absolutely correct. It's going to be extremely difficult to pin them down. Uh, in fact, one of the things that Fox News does, and it does it in a very brazen manner, it says out, out front, uh, you know, we're not a news agency. You know, we're here for entertainment purposes. And so those individuals who tend to listen to Fox, uh, who knows it's simply for entertainment, do so simply because it appears to their biases. And so, therefore, they understand that. So there's a marketplace in terms of, you know, promoting ignorance. And so that's, that is uh, Fox News' uh, niche. It promotes ignorance, and that is its function. And there are, there are those who take a position that, in fact, it's, it's a propaganda wing in the U.S. government. And certainly that's a case to be made for that. But certainly in the context in terms of, you know, disseminating, you know, uh, you know honest and objective uh, journalism, that is simply not Fox's role. It's not Fox's responsibility. Uh, and that's very, very clear. In fact, one of the things when we talk about decline in viewership, you know, uh, uh, that slipped as a result of banging on more progressive voices, is sort of indicative in terms of, you know, uh, this market niche and, and in which Fox understands as long as you uh, provide a certain – a certain viewpoint, uh, a certain narrative, then you're sure of large viewership, which means lots and lots of money. 
So Rupert Murdoch understand that fundamentally. And so, therefore, this notion in terms of, you know, Fox News being a legitimate news organization, only anyone, only someone with half a brain would believe, would perceive Fox as a news organization. Clearly, it's for entertainment. It has nothing to do in terms of news dissemination. It's all about, it's all about, you know, entertainment. And as long as it can create a narrative which entertains, a, a, disingenuous, a disingenuous narrative, by the way, but as long as it entertains, they're going to make tons and tons of money. In a capitalist society, that's what it's all about. And the fact that it served the interests of the government, the right-wing governments, uh, the mere fact that it does that, that's another plus in, in Fox's, uh, in Fox's, on Fox's behalf in terms of ensuring that uh, the, the money continues to flow, you know, to this organization. So clearly, you know, it's, it's, not, uh, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a, uh, it's not a news organization, and that's very, very clear. But just one other point, and I'll close with this, Brother Africa. Earlier, I talked about the fact that uh, Ms. Grossberg, uh, uh, you know, uh, they're try, they're try, they, they, they fired her. And the reason why, because they, during the, uh, when Bush ran against, uh, I'm sorry, when Trump ran against uh, Biden, they alleged that the machines that were voting machines that were created by Dominion Company, those those uh, machines were specifically designed for the sole purpose of sw- switching votes from Trump to Biden. They put that on the air. And they promoted that for weeks and weeks and weeks. They even promoted after the election was over, and it was demonstrated that those were lies. They continued to promote that that narrative. So clearly, you know, they understand because this is all part of all part of entertainment. You know, they are they are, they are free to entertain people, and that's precisely what they do. Now, of course, it's going to cost them some money in the long run because by Ms. Grossberg not playing ball, not taking the fall, you know, for the higher ups and for the for the major talent, quote unquote talent. Uh, there at Fox News, uh, the likelihood that they're going to pay uh, is, 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 is probably is probably going to come to fruition. But clearly, this is not a news organization. It's all about entertainment, and that's what they do, pure and simple. And it's, there's no question about that. Anthony, one of the problems with capitalism is one of its principles is to deceive, deception. Is this another method of deception from your perspective, Brother Anthony? Yes, it is, because uh, they have programming, even though it's an, uh, is primarily an, a, a, an entertainment company, they have a product called Fox News. And people that, are, that might not be sufficiently astute might perceive the information they're getting from Fox News is actually news and uh you know and uh you know and it, it's a deception but that is one of the characteristic features of capitalism just as uh as capitalists deny they have an ideology and attribute that only to uh uh to uh socialist governments but every society has an ideology. The fact that capitalism denies the existence of that is one of the, one of its means of deception. And uh, so that is par for the course, unfortunately. And people tend to be uh, to be uh, you know uh, screwed over by that. And uh, you know. Uh, one of the things that uh, alternate media has to do is to do 
what uh, what uh, organizations like Fox will not do, and that is tell the truth. Even though the uh, even though that that there are always biases, but it's in who enters that that bias serves. Thank you, brother Anthony. This is out What's your take on the phenomenon? Is this just another tool of capitalism deceiving the folks to stay in power? Uh, Richard Murdoch, uh, an Australian, owns um, so many of the local news channels throughout this country. It is phenomenal. And quite frankly, people in this country are as the two analysts said, well, as uh, Anthony just said, they are not aware of the fact that these are entertainment shows. Now, they, on this Fox News network, managed to include daily murders and atrocities, but they have no real concrete news. And as you know, we have we're in a period of fighting authoritarianism and this cancel culture where people are so fed up until they don't engage in um, understanding what's going on nationally or internationally. So we're in a real crisis and this is a tool to foster a certain type of ignorance. I talk to so many people from a variety of um, grounds that talk about what they heard on Fox News, and even if they don't call it by name, they'll call it by channel. Now, keep in mind, cable is something that the poor and working class cannot afford, and newspapers are virtually uh, uh, unheard of. They're only online, and if you get a hard copy of a newspaper, it's now several dollars. So I believe this is a tool to... Um, help foster the council culture and to keep the masses uninformed and ignorant, which is very dangerous for the world, for all of our communities, and particularly dangerous for us as African people and for our children, our grandchildren, and Mother Earth. Thank you, Sister Noah. Brother Moses, can you hear my voice? Oh, we got you, we got you. You got me, Brother Moses. That's good to hear. Hey, Brother Moses, what you make a fox deceiving the people from understanding that they are not a news agency or a basic agency just to entertain? Yeah, with the Murdoch said he wasn't into uh Red or blue, but he was in the green, meaning money. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know the profit drive in words anyway. Uh, 
seems to be his motivations. Although I think he being uh, uh, the part of the ruling class and the and the propaganda machine, he has the bias uh, interest of the ruling class in in, in his in his presentation of his news and uh it's reflected in the in the in the analysis and the production of the news that they produce um uh if you want to call it news uh they have they have a they present themselves as news um they call themselves news fox news but um uh is this a bad situation? Uh, we need we need we need people who are who are we need control the we need control of the finances of of uh, of the vast majority of this economy so that so that um, we can stop these kind of um, mercenaries from. Uh, Praying on the, on the backwardness of the people, and uh, producing people like Donald Trump, uh, we we need we need to get organized. Thank you. Let's get organized. I hear you, Brother Moses. All right, panelists, let's make our transition to the second segment of this program, which we deal with part two. Do you remember the days of slavery? Do you remember the days of slavery? I wonder what they was like. But anyway, there was an article that came out of Political, dated the 6th of April, 2023, titles, Tennessee House Votes to Expel Two or Three Democrats Over Gun Protests. Yeah, Representative Justine Jones and Justine Parsons were spelled in a vote largely along party lines. An effort to oust them led by the GOP supermajority, Representative Gloria Johnson, escaped removal from the office because Republicans failed to gather the necessary two-thirds majority support. Now, Gloria Johnson was a European woman who participated in a protest in the Dallas Capitol in Tennessee with other two gentlemen who was Africans were expelled by using an old law that was on the book based upon certain behaviors within the assembly you could not display. Now, Brother Haki, does this not remind you of the continuation of Jim Crow and coming up with all kinds of laws, even if they're on a book but very rarely used when it comes to us, they will do anything and seem like both parties is complicit in it? Because I don't know why the Democratic Party didn't have a greater react response than what they had. Just talk to us about your response to that phenomenon, Brother Hackey. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, I think when you say Jim Crow, I think it's an understatement. I think one of the, certainly one of the hostilities toward one of the uh, one of the formal expelled uh, representatives was uh, the fact that he wore dashiki. Uh, Justin Pearson uh, wore dashiki, and that's causing a symbol of African pride. 
and that threw up a lot of these uh, these white Republicans the wrong way. The fact that he got tired of being African was a bit too much for them to swallow. More importantly, when you get down to the question in terms of Jim Crow, you know, one of the things that the House Speaker, uh, Cameron Sexton, he said this, this is very interesting, but he said when the black representatives took to the floor discussing the, you know, decline gun violence, he described their actions as an insurrection. What, you know, and you stop and think about it, insurrection is such a loaded word. Why would you say their actions were, were, were insurrectionist? It, because clearly they weren't trying to affect the, affect the whole government. They were just trying to make a statement about gun control. That's all they were saying. But to find the insurrection, in other words, I think what he was saying, at least implying, is that these, these, these Africans were not keeping their place. They had the audacity to actually confront power, and that is something that you simply don't do. So clearly it has uh, this sort of Jim Crow, Jim, Jim Crow uh, uh, ramifications. But I think more importantly, Brother Africa, uh, when, three, three problems in terms of the expulsion of these individuals. I am glad at least that they, they thought about it and they brought them back. But there are certainly three problems in terms of initially, you know, ex, you know expelling these individuals away. Number one is normally when it's in a, in a you know, legislative process, you have some process or some committee set up to ensure all rights and all you know, laws are abided by before you expel someone. Secondly, you know, uh, also when you think about in terms of democratic representations, clearly these these people represent the electorate in their in their districts, and so therefore in that context, you know, in terms of being truly democratic, then you got to respect the fact that they elect they're they're advocating on behalf of the electorate. The mere fact that that was disregarded speaks volumes in terms of the kind of Jim Crow mentality that existed among these Republicans. And lastly, I think it's just an authoritarian impulse in terms of you know, just arbitrarily expelling people without due process. I mean, clearly, you know, um, you know, um, the mere fact that they, they would have the audacity to do that suggests that they have no no concern, no uh, uh, no love of the law, and that they felt that they simply the, the, the impulse was to teach these Africans a lesson by expelling them without regard to due process. Uh, so clearly uh, those things are all very problematic. You know, as I said, I'm glad that they, they eventually thought about that, uh, of course, they were forced by various commissions to return them. Uh, but the mere fact that they did it in the first place speaks values in terms of what, what you refer to, Brother Africa, as a Jim Crow, uh, uh, Jim Crow uh, mentality. And so clearly, I think this is all problematic. And, and, and the problem is that, you know, if you know there's not some serious discussion around uh, this kind of propensity in terms of you know you know certain laws, in terms of you know uh, you know using power for whatever for whatever reason you want. If there's not some discussion around, you know, limiting that or preventing that, it's going to happen again. So that's my, my response, and I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. Brother Anthony, this was a slave move. Your response to the situation, Brother Anthony. response is that this definitely went along, uh, along racial lines, even though uh, allegedly, according to the article, uh, it was a party line decision, but the fact that uh, that uh, that the European Gloria Johnson was not expelled, also even though she participated in that same demonstration, shows the uh, the, the, the 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 racial bias in that decision. And uh, and uh, let's see. And I think uh, in terms of the supermajority, I think uh, I think the the Tennessee legislature has seventy five Republican seats and only twenty three uh, Democratic seats. But 
but the the thing is, though, but an analysis of history shows that they're one and the same party, because uh, that the, uh, that the, the 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 legislative arguments that were used to justify the expulsion were made when the uh, when, when 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 the Democrats had control of the legislature. And uh, and that should be pointed out. And also, uh, but also, it was the uh, it was the people, the working masses, that returned uh, Justin Pearson and Justin Jones to office. It was their uh, it, it, it it was those uh, city councilmen. And those and 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 the electorate that was responsible for them getting their seats back. Uh, thank goodness for that. But the fact that this came up at all over de, uh, over uh, demonstration over gun violence in Tennessee, uh, you know, uh, sh- sh- shows the the uh, the love of racism, and um, you know, and uh, you know, and uh, and the fact that capitalism doesn't often get to the root of the problem, as uh, Brother Haki alluded to earlier, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, and the thing about it though, this issue was the proliferation of guns in Tennessee. And uh that was uh and the fact that that uh, that that people got fed up with that and stood up for that. That is why uh Pearson and uh Jones were expelled in the first place. Thank you, Brother Anthony. You know, since I don't know seeing like if they really had any 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 respect for the people, they would have taken on the issue of this violence with guns in this country. And this was doing another incident where someone took a gun out and shot a number of people. And um, to try to raise their point where one of the African legislators was trying to do Instead of dealing with that issue, they they dealt with the issue that, you know, his conduct was more important than the issue of mass shooting in this country. So what does it say about how they view the people in general, from your perspective, Sister Eleanor? Is this just a joke? Well, the uh, House Speaker, Cameron Saxon, as uh, one of the uh, analysts said, likened uh, their behavior to an insurrection. We've seen an insurrection in this country on January 6th. So that was completely out of order. But when you speak of, uh, for example, Justin Pearson, he was elected by 70,000 people. So it shows a general lack of respect for the electorate. And then when we get back to news stations like Fox News, where many people only have access to it because of their lack of access to cable television, you see it uh, 
being presented just very briefly as something uh, very uh, uh, outrageous and just a few seconds and, and it's gone. But I'd like to say something first about Fox News quickly, Brother Africa, and that is is that we need to go back and uh, rescind the laws of the 1980s during the Reagan era where um, journalism was didn't have to be a factor. True journalism didn't have to be a factor in in broadcasting. And, and Fox News should be required, and any news channel like it should be required to say that this is entertainment television. It does not rec- represent any truth. Or or, uh, or 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 though it may appear to take names and uh, incidents from real situations, that in fact it is not reality. It is not journalism. It is entertainment and purely entertainment because this article and this situation barely hit the news and what's interesting is that these people represent Memphis, Nashville and these major cities and Dr. King and here it is during the very month and, and of the anniversary of the murder of Dr. King in Memphis, Tennessee. So we see uh, so so much injustice in this and a complete disregard for the electorate and that the real danger. The other thing that uh, was discussed in the article was the fact that the public viewing gallery was filled and exploded into screams of fascism and shaming uh, on the on the uh, saying shame on you. But the main focus is this is fostering authoritarianism. And as Brother Anthony said, the Democrats hold only 23 seats while the Republicans hold 75. But you can see that um, this confusion and this propaganda in a country that has two prominent parties has become um, a a major issue in that it doesn't matter which party you belong to, pretty much they fall upon the, they follow the same line. The Democrats seem to be less active and the Republicans are very active. But uh, the reality is there is a lack of respect for the electorate. And Johnson himself, a former teacher, uh, told the story of the school shooting that she had experienced several years ago where one student was killed and the impact that it had. But the other thing about this shooting, the press made it important to let us know they killed the shooter and that the shooter was a woman um, and who had attended the the school and clearly race played an important role in 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 this decision a two-thirds majority 
supported this ridiculous measure. And thanks to the city government, um, they were reinstated, but I think they still may have to run in a special election. Now, this is a great deal of expense in terms of labor, manpower, you know, money and uh, everything else. And it's also an attack against democracy when you ignore the vote, the voters' decision and force the people of Nashville and uh, uh, Memphis to have a, a second election. Now, Johnson suggested in an interview with Politico that if she voted out, uh, if she uh, voted out, she would try to, if she's voted out, she would try to return to the state house if her constituents desired. But what she forgot to mention is whether or not she could raise the funds and how expensive it is becoming to run in local elections in the United States. The state constitution forbids, in Tennessee, forbids lawmakers from being removed from office twice for the same offense, and their only offense is trying to um, support stronger gun control laws in the state of Tennessee, ergo laying the foundation for stronger gun control laws in the United States. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Moses, talk to me. Talk to me, Brother Moses. Well, we have a situation here. I'm, I'm, um, I'm not oriented properly for this conversation. Uh, uh, no problem, brother. No problem. Be like that sometime. Uh, just sit back, relax, and we're going to continue to kick the ballistics. We'll come back to you later. Thank you, Brother Moses. To this audience, you listen to Africa on the Move. If you have any comments, any viewpoints, based upon any of these discussions, feel free to call in at 323-679-0841. Africa on the Move can be heard every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. So at this point in time, we will continue the discussion um, in terms of, just in terms of when we look at this whole, I would say the climate, this political climate inside the United States, and you talk about these institutions that we call Congress, you know, the Congress and House of Representatives and what have you, seem like it's a is 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 a open open a open door policy in which you can do anything to any African representative and you will not get ridiculed for it. There's no consequences. Now, if that's the reality, what hope does one have when they decide to run for these elections and set in these buildings when they know that their co-workers have no respect for them. I'm just wondering, what is the mindset for people who aspire to get these kind of positions, Brother Hakeem? 
at this point in time. Brother Africa, I'm I'm not sure that the people who is, uh, is you know is, you know who are inspired to seek these kind of visions really care one way or the other you know um, you know what their uh, colleagues think. I, I really don't think so. I think aside from the question of power, I think the question of money rings uh, loudly in terms of motivation. So in that con- in that regard, I think that you know as long as the money is coming forth. And the illusion of power exists. I think people, you know, on the Democratic side who run for these offices are not particularly concerned in terms of how they are viewed. In other words, I don't think that a lot of them have any real expectation that anything is going to be resolved in terms of the political process. Uh, clearly, we, we we have a dynamic that exists in society, but at least a political dynamic that exists in society, which says that you know corporations rule. In fact, they fund these 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 these, in these individuals to run for offices. They determine the 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 the, uh, the the, uh, the the policy to be pursued. Uh, they determine what stands the politicians would take. They determine, you know, in a large extent, to what politicians would be heard and which politicians would be would, would not be heard. Uh, so clearly, uh, uh, brother, after I don't think it's really in irrelevance in terms of, you know, uh, you know, um, when we raise the question in terms of whether or not, uh, you know, uh, does it have some hindrance or does it have some impact on people who's going to run for these offices? I really don't think so. I think people who are conscientious, who understand the nature of the beast in terms of U.S. political politics, who understand that, are not, probably not going to run anyway because they realize it's an act, act in futility. They understand that, you know, in terms of you're not, you, you know, you, you know, and, and participating in those, in those bodies uh, provides you some visibility and it provides you some access to money, but doesn't result in things, you know, uh, uh, qualitatively. Or, or qualitatively, that's of interest to the masses of people. I think people of conscience understand that, and so therefore they only have, have no real desire in terms of running for these offices. I think the people who do run for these offices, motivation has nothing to do in terms of you know uh, being angered at the at the uh, at the, um, the the actions you know of their colleague, which undermines their very existence, not only as representatives but also as people of people of color. Uh, or people uh, who happen to be, you know, of, of the feminine gender. So I don't think that that's, that's an issue, Brother Africa. I, I really don't. You know, I, I, you know, I, I would like to believe that, in fact, that people would be angered by that. In fact, the the implication in terms of, you know, I'm excluded, you know, from terms of power sharing simply because of the color of my skin, and so therefore what I have to say is irrelevant. It seems to me that it seems to me that would be a real irritant, uh, you know, to most people. But if your motivation is about the money and the power and the visibility. Then it probably is not, it probably doesn't have an impact on you anyway because they understand that it's all about the money the money anyway the money and the visibility and the power so it's really or oh, the perception of power so it's really not about doing things you know uh, uh, concretely for the masses of people so clearly brother Africa I don't think uh, that has any bearing at all in terms of these people desire to run I think if they were conscientious they wouldn't run in the first place that's my view and I close with that. From brother Haki to brother Anthony. Seem like there's open season on African politicians, the African people, where anything, everything goes. Your response, brother Epi. Uh, that's true, but I think uh, because of uh, class interests, uh, some Africans who aspire to political office overlook that. And they think, uh, you know, the fact that they that they they, they fit into this uh, club called elective office or appointed office, 
they've arrived at some point. Where they've arrived to, uh, you, uh, you know, is debatable. But uh, these, uh, but these positions are controlled, are tightly controlled by the ruling bourgeoisie, and that is why it's only at the local levels uh, that uh, that uh, outsiders can have, uh, uh, you know, real pack, real impact, such as uh, Jones and Pearson. In the case of uh, Memphis and uh, Nashville, and uh, you know uh, t- Tennessee, but generally, I think uh, I-, I think it is true that uh, that these positions are are tightly controlled by the uh, ruling class, and uh, they assure that control. Uh, prior to uh, to Africans being allowed access to these political offices, and it's a, and it's a, and it's a system that we're fighting against, and uh, we have to get organized, and uh, we have to be organized before we join up with these larger groupings. Uh, you know, trying to get political power, and uh, it's going to take uh, you know ground roots organizing in order to change things, and uh, that is very hard work. And a lot of these uh, political figures aren't willing to engage in that type of struggle. They're looking, uh, you know, for the money, and uh, and uh, power, prestige, and money, and visibility. Thank you, brother. Anthony. Sister Eleanor, I want you to lead off with this particular question, a response to a Republican politician stated last week out of Texas that when we're talking about, do we remember the days of slavery? She made a statement that brought me directly back to this point, and the point was. She said that she thinks it's about time now that the red states and the blue states get a divorce. What do you think she was implying when she made a statement, Mrs. Eleanor? Um, I, I think it shows the the um, backwardness and the lack of uh, education amongst the elected officials in the United States today. But um, I, I have to speak to Brother Anthony and uh, bring up what uh, Jones said in his statement. And I'm going to quote him. He says, uh, uh, he said to the GOP in Tennessee, your flexing of false power has awakened a generation of people who will let you know your time is up. And that was a 27-year-old elected official warning the Republicans. In addition to to that, Pearson also uh, stood up to speak to the the real issue, which uh, and he chastised the GOP leadership for pursuing the expulsion resolution 
with what he said, uh, and to quote, a dogged determination instead of considering gun safety legislation. And that's really what's at issue in this country right now. In addition to the uh, expulsion of, 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 of uh, elected officials, it's a just another anti-democratic effort to silence the American people who speak out against the devastating consequences of gun violence and the impact that it's having on the working class. But it did do something that uh, we, we, we failed to mention, that this brought these two men into the spotlight. And across the country, um, uh, politicians from different states as well as the uh, um, state legislatures as well as Congress signed letters Uh, a letter that was released last Thursday that was signed by hundreds of lawmakers from across the country. Uh, Jones, uh, talking with uh, reporters after the expulsion, said that the proceedings do not seem like America. To expel the voice of opposition and dissent is a single of authoritarianism. And it is very dangerous. So it is very important that people, in my opinion, continue to run for elected office. And these two very young politicians, 27 and 28 years old, uh, are speaking loud and clear for the working class and the masses. And uh, I believe that We have to not only organize, we have to uh, support good candidates, and we have to take control of your municipal uh, uh, election process. People have to do that, and they really need to vote. It's not the end all, but it is definitely a part of organizing and taking over and having a revolution and suppressing the authoritarianism that has stuck its ugly head up, not only in the United States, but as we see in many countries around the world. For example, last week I I spoke about Uganda and I did not realize the impact that missionaries, U.S. missionaries had had on the population over the last two decades and uh, and how it had impacted uh, 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 the community and that you could be jailed for life and your family lose your home, lose their home and property for simply housing you. So this is a uh, not only a national issue, this authoritarianism, it's other other countries are standing up and fighting. We saw a success story in Colombia with the inauguration of Pedro and Marquez on August 7th of 2022. We saw the defeat of Bolsonaro in 2022 and the Silva 
put in place, and, and we've seen great things. And this is a man that was incarcerated and still stood up. <coughs> and we have to think back to people like, excuse me, like the Molly Maguires and others who were forced to run from jail but did. And this is not an easy struggle for the working class, but it's one that we're ready for. And education is a big component of it. And being able to rescind, once again, these Republican-era laws that allow for uh, commentary to become uh, a representative of journalism. Commentary, your individual commentary, Rush Limbaugh was the first one, but now it's just an accepted way of uh, presenting news entertainment as news. So I see, and can you repeat your question, Brother Africa, for me so I can conclude? I was just asking, would you... How do you interpret the statement that was made by a GOP representative out of Texas where she stated that she thinks it's time for the red states and blue states to get a divorce? What is the implication of the statement? What do you think she meant by that? Uh, Again, I think she's ignorant and doesn't know her history. A half a million people lost their lives during the Civil War. So she needs to go back and... uh, take her high school U.S. history, take a look at it before Texas bars it from the state uh, curriculum. And uh, maybe she would be better able to speak on the subject because we are now 360 million people, I think, in this country. And we've had the uh, largest, uh, one of the largest, immigration moves of people coming to join us and becoming new Americans of, of any other country on the planet. Um, Chile limits the number of people coming, and as you know, so does Mexico. And uh, this is a struggle for uh, maintaining a democracy. We see the uh, what's happening in El Salvador and the fascism. And we uh, see what's happening right now in India. And we're waiting to see the outcome of the uh, election recount in Nigeria. But this person was speaking um, from a position of ignorance, and that is always dangerous because people expect their elected officials to be informed. And, of course, if nothing else, they are leaders. And they also were elected by the electorate. And so it shows the state of mind that the electorate is in, that the voters are in. And this is a a very dangerous time. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Let's go to Brother Haki. Brother Haki, many times politicians speak in code. When, when, when this this particular young lady stated that this, she thinks it's time for the very second blue states to get their divorce. We said, do we remember the days of slavery? What code was she speaking in, Brother Haki? 
<laughs> I don't think she was speaking in code, Brother Africa. I think she was very clear in terms of uh, the assumptions that are made when you, when you compare red to blue states. Uh, one of the things I think we we simply can't dismiss uh, when, when when Republicans like Marjorie Taylor Greene and other Republicans state things like a national divorce, they're talking about the separation of blue states from red states. Understand that when we look at it in terms of electoral map, uh, red states are the predominant group in America. So we can ill afford to assume or to say that simply because they're ignorant that we should dismiss what they have to say. We very much better understand and listen to when they say that. When they say it, take it seriously. Don't take it with it, with it, with it, with it, with it, with it you know, uh, 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 lightly. Take it very, very seriously. Uh, in fact, one of the things that when you talk about in terms of how power is dispensed in American society, when you talk about a situation where you got relatively small states like Montana, Idaho, Idaho, and places like that, you know, Iowa, places like that with very small populations, but yet have the same amount of power that larger states have, when you superimpose that upon the situation where you got most of the states in the society electorally are red states or, or conservative leaning, when you have that kind of dynamic, you can't dismiss it. You have to understand the, the real threat, the real implicit threat. And one of the things I think we, we can ill afford to do is to spend too much time in terms of talking about that. I mean, we need to understand that. I think more importantly, what we have to do is recognize the reality and begin to create those institutions, those organizations and community to combat whatever comes down the road. See, I think one of the things that we, that's very difficult for a lot of our people to understand that when you talk about being at war, a lot of our people still don't understand this in the 21st century. When you tell them you're at war, they look at you confused because what they see, they don't see a dichotomy of us versus them. They see a situation where it's all us. And American history says that, no, 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 there's very much a dichotomy. There's an us and there's a them. They, the, the, the conservative versus us, the, 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 the non-whites. Uh, so this dichotomy exists in the minds of very, very conservative people. And so when you got a, a country which essentially – or more red states than blue states, then you then you, you got a problem. So organizing in the community, dealing with these issues in terms of uh, addressing these, these disparities in the society to the extent that they negatively impact on children can only be addressed by people in the community working who understand what those disparities are and working to nullify or, 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 or minimize the, the impact of those, those uh, inequalities that impact the community. So, so it seems to me that, you know, when she says that, you know, we, it's time for national divorce, she's saying it. And not only that, Brother Africa, what she's saying is that we, listen, we're the red state because for the majority of the states, we have the power. We can crush, we can crush, you know, we can crush the blue states. Uh, we have militarily, philosophically, politically, we can crush blue states. And it's, and it's understandable. When you stop and think about in terms of the organizing of the red state in terms of crushing democratic resistance, quote-unquote, democratic resistance, whatever that means, assuming that we're talking about people who are altruistic, people who are egalitarianistic, people who really care about other people, who are, quote-unquote, democratic. When you talk about those red states organized in terms of undermining the power of those, of those democratic institutions in the, in the states, that's, that's immense power. So, for instance, when you talk about in Mississippi, when you talk about the undermining the, 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 the power of the state legislators, in the, in, the, in, the, in the police department to, to, to get things done. They actually bring in their own police who, who, are, who are hired, you know, by the governor who determines who becomes a, 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 a cop in a place like Jackson, Mississippi. And you say, what? Jackson has his own legislation. It has his own policies in terms of how, you know, police will be governed and so forth and so on. 
How is it that the state had this power to take over that process and say, now we're going to do it? That's power. That's real power. When you talk about a situation where red states get together and say, okay, we're going to vilify this African attorney general, district attorney in New York City. We're going to vilify him. That's power. For them to undermine this man's ability in terms of doing his job and say, no, no, you're not going to do your job, we dictate what goes on in your district. We had nothing to do with New York. We're thousands of miles away, hundreds of miles away, but we're going to dictate what goes on in your district. That's power. Understand this stuff is very, very real. We should not deceive ourselves to believe that it's, it's somehow, somehow that when, when, when someone makes those kind of statements, to just dismiss it. That would be a very, that would be a foolish thing to do, to dismiss these statements. And yes, there is a tremendous amount of ignorance among Republicans. There's a tremendous amount of ignorance among Democrats. But the bottom line is that when we talk about in terms of utilizing that ignorance to, for, the, for the purpose of empowerment, there's no question. Republicans are very much better at it in terms of mobilizing around ignorance than Democrats are. Democrats pride, we pride, Democrats pride themselves on, you know, speaking objectively, speaking truthfully, speaking for hope, the change. Democrats come from a, from a different perspective. Their thing is about maintaining power and control. Their thing is about control of the economy, control of the politics, uh, control of, control of the, uh, social movements. That's what they're all about. And they're much more organized to do that because they do a much better job in terms of organizing their base in terms of carrying out their objectives, which, of course, you and I understand those objectives are very inhumane. But nonetheless, for them, they see it as a very necessary evil because for them, for the Republicans, their thing to maintain power is, 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 is similar to or, 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 or conducive to maintaining, um, ma- maintaining white supremacy. White supremacy at all costs. White supremacy is under attack, not just in America, but throughout the world. And so in order for white supremacy to remain a, dominant, a major force, then Republicans must do what they're doing in terms of, you know, undermining, you know, education around African history, undermining history around women's rights or, or women's control of their body, undermining rights of children to actually learn, you know, about uh, uh, events that historically have happened, undermining events with respect to labor rights in the society. Republicans do what they got to do because their primary motivation is the uplift of, 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 of white supremacy. And so when we talk about a divorce, we talk about separating the, the, the red from the blue states, understand these people are very, very serious. And if we don't think that they're very, very serious, we delude ourselves. And I'll close with that. And Brother Anthony, we'll give you a shot at that question. Your response. Uh, as Haki uh, said, uh, you know, it needs to be taken very seriously. And I would add that a careful analysis of that statement is somewhat treasonous. The and uh, in a in the sense that uh, the United States fought a civil war, primarily over which economic system would be dominant whether it would be uh, chattel slavery or capitalism. The Union won that, uh, the United States won that, won that battle and was uh, 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 able to emerge on the world stage as a full-fledged capitalist state. Now, had the Confederacy uh, uh, won instead, uh, the implications uh, are that 
uh, are that the U.S. would be in a situation not unlike uh, Brazil is now. In other words, it would have retarded, uh, you know, U.S. development to such a degree that it would be a lot more like uh, Brazil is presently. So, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, so this needs to be taken very seriously, even though, uh, e- uh, even though uh, uh, the, the woman may be, uh, uh, you know, uh, uninformed or miseducated, but there are a lot of political figures like that. That does not stop them from, from wielding power. Which which makes it an even more dangerous situation, actually. Uh, you know the fact that uh, that, that 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 these people, uh, you know they uh, you know they follow their ideology closely, which is uh, white supremacy, and uh, and it's a very real problem uh, in the world and in particular inside the U.S. Thank you, Anthony, and we're going to take a station break, and when we come back, we can move to our second article that is that represents or speaks to our theme tonight, part two, Do You Remember the Days of Slavery? The article deals with, it's a new census, can tell whether you have 19 or the flu. And does it within 10 seconds. This is an article that came out of the Good News Network on April the 1st, 2023. We're going to discuss this and its implication when we come back. This is Africa on the Moon. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time you can't help but say the word palestine people there have lost their land some have lost their home they live in other countries their freedom almost gone palestine Palestine. needs her freedom freedom. palestine Needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, needs her freedom. Palestine, needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why. People cannot live, so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, because Palestine needs her freedom. Needs our love, needs our love, Palestine, Palestine, needs her freedom, 
Palestine needs our love.
Shame on me. Just recently dealing with this coronavirus and the game they played on the people. There seemed to be another game going on which offered the possibilities of inflicting and injecting things into your body or detecting things in your body where there's really no way of proving it. This technique that we begin to that we're gonna to begin to talk about can easily be political politicized and be used as a tool to prevent people from traveling. It can be used as a tool of misdiagnosing people. And does this so called technology really work and exist? I'd like to hear your response on this particular article. 
that came from the Good News Network on April the 1st, titled New Census, can tell whether you have COVID-19 or the flu and do it with 10 seconds. Let me just read this, 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 a couple of statements on this paragraph for those who may have not read this article. It stated that having cold, sore throat, and congestion, any number of respiratory viruses could be responsible. Conventional tests can identify the cupids by relying on chemical reactions but researchers now want to swap chemistry tests for electrical charges sensed by nanomaterials. They reported using a single atom thick nanomaterial to build a device that can simultaneously detect the presence of COVID-19 and the flu at much lower levels and much more quickly the conventional test for evil. Finally, this seems like another trick, another game to impose their will on the people to be able to control movement of people. Again, we have no way of verifying what they saying or doing to us really exists and is true. I'd like to have y'all response to this so-called particular uh, device where they claim they can create or have created that they, they can distinguish between the COVID virus and other type of respiratory viruses. Start off with you, Brother Haki. Yeah, well, uh, three quick things, Brother Africa. I, 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 I read that article with amazement. Uh, one of the things is that you know, certainly, you know, I've been trying to find out more about the research, in, in particular, uh, you know, uh, the methodology they employed in terms of arriving at these decisions. Of course, that wasn't found, so I'm going to check the scientific journals, see if I can find some. But anything, but on, but on the surface, one of, three quick concerns. One is that the, given the fact that you know, when you talk about the molecular changes that take place in terms of, you know, flu viruses, I find that very, very interesting in terms of being able, you know, uh, not only to discern when those changes take place, but to map those changes in a way in which it makes it possible for you to, in fact, correctly predict that this is a flu. I, I find that problematic. Secondly, I think one of the things that historically, when you look at terms of, you know, the relation between SARS and SARS COVID-2 and COVID-19, many scientists take positions that they're one and the same. Now, here's the problem. If SARS COVID-2 and COVID-19 are one and the same, uh, they have the same foundational foundational value. Then how do you how do you discern you know uh, one from the other if in fact they they emanate from the same foundation? So for me, I find that problematic. So you know, I, it, for me, it doesn't make much sense. Also, you know, one of the things is that you know uh, it also talks about the fact that you know, and this is the third point. It talks about the fact that uh, they're talking about you know you know recording electrical changes, you know, of the viruses in terms of determining you know flu from COVID nineteen. And what is interesting is that, you know, this, this frequency, and given the fact that viruses do mutate, and when you talk about the frequency, I mean, how do you, what, what would be the formula in terms of accounting for these changes in terms of the, in terms of the frequency of these viruses as they mutate? Uh, it seems to me at the very basis it would take time in terms of this, this discerning or de- determining exactly, you know, what the virus has mutated in terms of its frequency, in terms of the importance of its frequency. So 
clear to me, Brother African, none of this makes any sense in terms of it, it, it seems to me to hop back to COVID-19 when they got everybody afraid, everybody hyped up. In reality, it was all about in terms of disguising the fact that the U.S. The capitalism was in decline, and so they need some major distractions. So they came up with COVID-19 in terms of scaring people. Uh, you know, so clearly it seems to me that this, this latest revelation in terms of this technology that's going to distinguish COVID-19 uh, from, uh, uh, from flu seems to me it has more political considerations, and I think you're absolutely correct. When you talk about potential using this in terms of preventing people from traveling, for getting, for, you know, preventing people from obtaining uh, medical coverage or preventing people from getting paid uh, in terms of medical coverage or any host of possibilities in terms of stuff that's politically motivated. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, I, I had real problems with this, and, and I'm, I'm, uh, as I said before, I'm trying to find out more about in terms of the statistics in terms of research to make sense in terms of, you know, some of the questions I have in terms of, uh, you know, this, this, this technology. But clearly to me it seems all very, very political, and I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother R. King. Brother Everett, seems like we're getting played again. Seems like they're treating us like slaves. They're just telling us anything, doing anything to us. Your response to this article, Brother Anthony? To the article itself is, um, is uh, it doesn't deal with uh, the political implications that you touched on. I agree with. But uh, let's see. The fact that... Uh, that they're talking about making it available to healthcare providers and airports of all places. Sounds like uh, sounds like there's more to this uh, to this uh, thing than 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 what 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 the article alludes to. The fact that it uh, that 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 what if someone refuses uh, to take uh, the this sort of test and uh, what would be the implications of that and uh, you know I, I, I think it, I think you're correct uh, you know it seems like uh, you know we're getting played again and we and this is uh, you know this might be another tool for tightening security measures in terms of um, you know defining who can travel, and if so, where, uh, where where can they travel to? It has that sort of implication, similar to the fact uh, to the way they used uh, the attacks on September 11th uh, to uh, uh, to uh, to tighten uh, security measures, and also to uh, you know to. Uh, uh, take away hard won uh, civil and human rights, and uh, so I I, I I I do have that concern. Even though the article, uh, you know, seems to paint a rosy picture of it, it does uh, it, 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 it it does raise uh, serious uh, political questions, especially towards this conclusion. You know, brother Anthony, any any person in the right man, who would have to trust these so-called researchers from the West? Who would even trust any of this research that they're doing? Well, I have other people ver- verifying it more than ten thousand times. But anyway, let's go to Sister Eleanor and see what she has to say. Sister Eleanor, your response. 
Well, uh, D.G. Uh, Ken Wandy, the Ph.D. who presented the work at a, a recent meeting of the American Chemical Society, uh, said that uh, not only would be able to pick up virus, uh, the quote coronavirus and, and the flu, but other diseases that the device could also be modified to test for other infections, rather, and for other applications as well. And the article did not go into a discussion of what other applications this uh, uh, device could be used for. And the fact that it, uh, I mean, it here it's a word that, uh, what did it call it, nano... Uh, let me see here. Nanosuckers. Nanomaterial. Nanomaterial. A single atom thick nanomaterial. That, uh, that, that's new avenues and becomes a real threat to uh, an individual's privacy. And having a cough or a sore throat uh, uh, even a respiratory virus should not cause you to be subject to uh, uh, such testing. And the only reason I say that, we see that there was, uh, with the COVID virus, we ignored the administering of uh, vaccines to Africa, the United States, we don't, the United States donated uh, vaccines, but they were near, in some cases, near the termination dates, and many countries were excluded. Uh, Cuba uh, was able to assist a few countries, a very small country such as Cuba, while the larger companies or not, and I, I, I think this is a, 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 a quite uh, uh, interesting, and they seem to focus more on the ultra-thin nanomaterial. Generally, holds the record for the best sensitivity, uh, uh, even down to the detection of a single atom and. They can improve the ability to detect very small quantities of basically anything that needs to be sensed, whether it's a bacteria or a virus, uh, in gas or in blood. Now, uh, this this is a reason for concern. Uh, to build is not how they build the infection sensor. The researchers have to uh, make graph. You know, it's not n- none of that's the concern. The concern is the potential that it has and how it could be used and how harmful, as you said, Brother Africa, it could be to, used to restrict travel and a variety. Uh, even affecting employment uh, of, of, of individuals, and it it seems quite dangerous. It, it changes the the whole environment of uh, how we test for 
uh, infections uh, uh, um, and uh, disease in general. Thank you, Sister Abnoah. And it's potentially dangerous. Potentially dangerous. Okay, let's move on to our last article for tonight as relates to our theme, Part 2, Do Remember the Days of Slavery? This article comes from the newspaper Party for Socialism and Liberation. It was published on the 22nd of March, 2023. It titles, Inmates Go on Hunger Strike Over Conditions at Illinois Jail. Now, we have a hunger strike and one of the correction centers in Illinois. What were the inmates going on a homeless strike? What was that all about? Why were they doing it? And the conditions, how these prisons are made today, are they worse? Are they as worse as they were where people were actually in physical bondage and slavery, physically speaking? Brother Haki, your response, and what you take from this article? Well, first of all, I would say that uh, the, the the inmates' justification is uh, is, is 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 well um, well considered. Uh, one of the things when you talk about the inhumane conditions, and certainly uh, my position is that uh, the inhumane conditions, given all the um, viruses and bacteria that inmates are subjected to, is probably considerably worse than actually the the uh, enslavement you know in working in the fields. But the inmates' concerns in terms of the inhuman conditions are, are, are real. Uh, when we talk about the sanitary, mental health, you know, lack of drug treatment, the dehumanization that takes place in these prisons, they clearly that those are things are problematic. Then when you superimpose upon the fact that books, they even remove books, books that are to, 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 to gear toward enlightenment, toward uh, creating a better human being, were actually removed uh, from the prisons. The whole point was to make a, be- a more worse Human being, so clearly the economic incentive is more important in terms of rehabilitation, you know, of the inmates. Also, you know, one of the things in terms of the motivation of the inmates is this whole question around, you know, financial disincentives to keep people incarcerated. Uh, one of the things you talk about excessive bail in terms of, you know, uh, keeping people presumably who are innocent in in in, in jails. I mean, that's that's clear. That's problematic. Uh, also, when you talk about the cost to communicate to the outside world, people on appeal, you know. Inmates on appeal, you know, who need to contact their lawyers, who need to keep in contact with their lawyers, it's considerably expensive in terms of doing such. In Illinois, they're talking about, you know, six bucks for an audio call, 13 bucks for a video call. Now, given the fact that, you know, most inmates tend to be indigent or poor, the reality is that they cannot afford to, to, uh, to communicate, you know, with their lawyers. So as a consequence, a lot of innocent people end up staying in prison simply because they had a means in terms of reaching out, you know, to their to their representation. Uh, clearly, you know, one of the things, you know, in this article they talked about, you know, the Eighth Amendment, you know, against excessive bail. And, you know, uh, and it's, it's very interesting, you know, the Eighth Amendment is, is good in terms of theory, in terms of no excessive fines imposed or cruel unusual punishment inflicted, shouldn't be inflicted on inmates. That all That all sounds good, but the reality is this. The, the Eighth Amendment, you know, uh, comes up against the Thirteenth Amendment, and here's the problem. The Thirteenth Amendment justifies slavery as long provided that you're incarcerated. 
And so, therefore, all of those ills that are inflicted against the inmates are, in fact, justified under the 13th Amendment. So, essentially, what the 13th Amendment does is cancel out the 8th Amendment. In other words, you don't, you, in terms of your right to, to reasonable bail, in terms of you know, non-excessive fines or, 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 uh, or opposition to cruel and unusual punishment, all those things get justified in terms of the 13th, in terms of, in terms of how the 13th Amendment operates. So clearly, uh, these inmates, you know, they're, they're on the ball in terms of understanding what the legal issues are. Uh, the problem is that unless, you know, you, uh, unless I think the inmates have to work in conjunction with the community in terms of pushing these real, in, these real issues. And in term, particularly when we talk about, you know, when we talk about, you know, destroying, you know, amendments, that's a very difficult, very difficult process in the United States. You're talking about three quarters of the Congress that could agree to remove an amendment. That's simply not going to happen. Particularly in the context of when you talk about amendments that are geared toward in terms of incarcerating people, they are less likely in terms of amending those amendments. So clearly, uh, but the inmates are absolutely correct. I mean, all these horrors that they're confirming on a daily basis needs to be addressed. And certainly these, the hunger strike are one of the ways to do that, to get at least get that conversation started. But ultimately, they are, they are, you know, they are maintaining the struggle in terms of trying to bring about some type of redress to the extent that's possible in terms of addressing a lot of these inequalities, that, it, that, that these savage inequalities that exists inside these prisons, and I'll close with that. Brother Anthony, how have we stooped so low that if one is incarcerated, they lose all of their human rights, all of their human values, all the things to be human beings, anything goes, and people find that acceptable. Share with our listening audience um, what you got from this particular article. Brother Anthony. What 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 I got from this article is that in, in, that in some of these prisons, conditions are worse than chattel slavery in some ways, uh, because uh, you're in a confined space, and uh, and uh, you know and the thing and the thing about it though it seems like uh, you know as uh, you know the way U.S. society views it. Uh, you uh, once you're in prison, you 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 lose all rights to humanity, to be treated as a person. And uh, let's see, the only uh, uh, let, let, let's see, there are only a few countries that are worse than this one in that regard uh, that I can think of. And uh, you know, and and uh, and. Uh, what what their uh, what what the inmates are are, are clamoring is that uh, is that uh, you know is that their rights are being uh, being violated that 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 they can't afford the bonds that they, that 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 they're uh, that they're imprisoned under and it's almost like having no bond at all. And um, you know, and not having access to resources that can help them prepare for their defense. I mean, uh, you know, I I, I I I I mean, this is horrendous, and probably this is probably not unique uh, to uh, Champaign County, uh, Illinois. This is probably similar to uh, throughout prisons throughout the U.S. And uh, you know there have been other cases where hunger strikes have occurred, 
but uh you know but uh, th- uh th- th- this is uh this is something that uh that people should uh, should be aware of in capitalist societies that under capitalism you know you uh you know once you uh, you you're in prison you, you you lose all rights to your humanity and that's a horrendous situation and uh you know and uh you know and uh and the thing about it though was a form of tor- torture and also cheap labor uh you know and uh you know and uh you know and uh there are some companies that make tremendous amount of money like the te- telecommunication companies that make these uh, uh, video and uh, audio calls available to the prisoners. That's a lot, uh, six to thirteen dollars uh, for, for uh, you know uh, for a phone call. And so uh, you know, so it's uh, you, you know it's uh, exploitation pure and, sim- pure and simple. But because, uh, you know, of the way, uh, you know, the educational system works in this society, we taught, uh, 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 you know, the presumption of innocence goes out the window once you're, you're, you're imprisoned. And, uh, you know, you, and, uh, you, you know, and, uh, you know, the teaching is that, uh, is that once you, you once you, you once you're uh, convicted, but these people aren't, aren't necessarily convicted. That 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 they 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 they've been charged, but they cannot afford adequate funds for their defense. And uh, you know, and uh, you know, I think it's a, a, a akin to chattel slavery, except that the state. Is owner than uh, rather than an individual planner. Thank you, brother. Since Illinois, the mic is yours. Yes, well, the uh, hunger strike uh, definitely they had solidarity with people outside, but the important thing uh, is the. Uh, as both analysts had said, Brother Haiki and Brother Anthony, is the exploitation and the oppression among uh, working class people, especially those that are incarcerated. These people haven't been convicted. They're simply waiting uh, for trials. And the fact that they are uh, forced to work at these uh, uh, very, very low wages producing goods for uh, at, at most meager wages or no wages at all. And the corporations that benefit from these prisoners' labor means increasing. The only way to change that is to increase the consciousness of the American workers, uh, and uh, the article states that we must realize that we aren't free until all are free. And when they discuss the fact that if you were on a suicide watch, you were strapped to a chair with 
no one attending to you. Um, and that uh, one of the prisoners organizing the strike had reported to his mother that he had witnessed a toilet overflow in a prisoner's uh, cell, and he was left to languish in that cell and had no water to drink except for the water from the toilet, which he saw that this man had actually. And uh, the, 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 the rising populations in prisons in the United States because of the growth of the industrial prison complex, it revi- reminds me very much of the... Uh, post-slavery pig laws and chicken laws where someone could just identify you and claim you owed money and they could force you to work it off, even hire you out and how prisoners were forced to work in deplorable conditions in mines and, and in other places. Well, this is exactly what's happening in the prison industrial complex but it's done completely behind closed doors. And as Brother Anthony said, they might have been better on the chain gang working on building highways or cleaning highways rather than to work in these enclosed factories where the quality of air as well as other conditions are are, are, are very poor. Uh, and the fact that the, 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 that uh, people are complicit, the state attorney in the article was complicit in addressing the issue of the rising jail population and the poor conditions in the jail, and the fact that these folks, working class folks, were being charged these extraordinary uh, bonds and thus they were staying behind bars longer, and they were easier to prosecute because they had no means of organizing a defense as the as both Haiki and Anthony had explained due to the cost of the audio calls as well as the video calls and uh, other factors and uh and these out and the outrageous bond uh, being the one of the main factors uh and these unsafe conditions such as being tied to a chair and left alone, and the fact that uh they were no longer promoting uh prevention or education, and that uh the jails that were or the the institutions that were set aside for the normally for the one prisoner mentioned in the article for a person who had struggled with drug addiction and mental health issues all his life were separate from the uh, type of situation he was in and uh, that had been eliminated and there was a great deal of solidarity with those inside on March 6th. The community was rallying outside, uh, according to the article, in abundance. 
but these conditions are outrageous and are akin to conditions, but worse than the conditions of the 19th century. And this is why we must put an end to this capitalist system. It has no respect for human beings and human life. And we never should forget the physical enslavement that Africa have been going through for the last 500 years. So we'll be right back. This is Africa on the Move. We'll come back. Our political panelists will give us our final thoughts for this program tonight, part two. Do you remember the days of slavery? We'll be right back.
In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, he's become one of us. We'd like to welcome everyone back to Africa on the Move. On the 16th day of April, 2023, we'll be closing out this particular segment of the program, part two. Do you remember the days of slavery? You better, because if you forget, you like wake up in the morning and be back into physical child of slavery. We must continue to fight the power that be. We must find a way to put an end to capitalism, imperialism, Zionism, and all these systems that exploit human beings. And we know that the solution to our problems globally can be found under Pan-Africanism, which is the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. So brothers and sisters, check that out. And meanwhile, we're going to go back to our political panelists for today and get their final thoughts for today's program. And we'll start with Sister Eleanor. Your final thoughts, Sister Eleanor. Two minutes, Sister Eleanor, your statement. Well, I want well thank you for another exciting show, and I want to uh, uh, thank uh, the panelists for uh, raising my consciousness around the uh, elected official from the state of Texas, because when you look at the fact that uh, Texas has, as of the redistricting of 2010. 38 electoral votes, and uh, Florida has about 30-some, and you look at states like Pennsylvania and Illinois with 20, you look at North Carolina, you can just take four or five states and already be uh, more than halfway to receiving the 270 electoral votes necessary to become President of the United States And uh, so we are in a very dangerous situation And the Electoral College Though in 1789 or 1787 When it came about Wasn't a danger It became a danger in the 19th century But we saw it become a danger In the 21st century With the 2000 vote And of course then with the 2016 vote where the popular vote did not place a president in the White House and an unpopular vote but an electoral college victory we saw Donald Trump come into the White House so yes uh, uh, there there is a real danger and apparently that politician was aware of the impact that the electoral college could have on this country. So thank you so much. And um, this conscious raising uh, show and uh, again, a happy emancipation day to all the residents of the United States Capitol, Washington, DC. And uh, liberation is our goal and organization as your analysts are teaching us all is the only way education and organization and we must protect mother earth and love mother earth and be ecologically and environmentally responsible now 
Mother Earth cannot wait. Thank you so much, and good night. Good night to you, Sister Eleanor. We thank you for your contributions to today's program, and we now go to Brother Haki. Give us your final thoughts for tonight. Yeah, uh, Brother Africa, uh, I just want to sort of uh, reinforce the very precarious situation that African people find themselves in the society. Not just African people, but people across the board, specifically poor people. But I address African people because when we talk about the upheavals that are taking place in society, it's going to be directed at African people. So there's, there's no ambiguity about that. I'm very clear on that point. It's important that African people understand the very real challenges that we face in a very hostile society. Uh, one of the things uh, I, I want to talk about, you know, I want to reiterate, is this whole question around in terms of the corruptness of the banks. Um, there is a concept called derivatives, and I don't think most people know about derivatives. But essentially, derivatives is simply a bet. It's a bet. You know, for instance, if I say to you, I bet you it's going to rain tomorrow, and, uh, and if I if I win, you give me a hundred million dollars. If I if if I if I fail, I give you a hundred million dollars. Uh, so the banks engage in these kind of derivatives, and, and in fact, one of the things that we go back to 2008, the so-called subprime debacle, when houses were overvalued and they subsequently collapsed, uh, it was a result in large extent of derivatives in terms of the banks. As a result of derivative trades, uh, banks, the, the U.S. government ended up financing banks to the tune of $29 trillion. Now, when we talk about $29 trillion, just to put it in context, the national debt of the year is officially is $34 trillion, even though we, it's, it's considerably higher unofficially. But officially, the national debt of the United States is $34 trillion. Now, recently, the, the Credit Swiss Bank out of Zurich, Switzerland, uh, was involved in, uh, in, in the derivatives trades, and specifically, it created default swaps. In other words, it insu- uh, they, they, they sold instruments or they sold financial instruments which ensure that depending on how well they perform, uh, determines whether or not you get paid or not. If they don't perform well, then you lose. So in 2021, as a result of these derivatives or these credit default swaps, uh, Credit Suisse out of Zurich, Switzerland, lost $5.5 billion. Now, the question ever becomes, well, they lost $5.5 billion two years ago. Of course, they changed their behavior. No, they did not change their behavior. The policy of using derivatives continued. In 2023, two years later, they lost $17 trillion, partly responsible as a result of the derivatives trades. Think about that for a minute. Now, when we talk about the decline in terms of Swiss credit, uh, the Swiss credit, Swiss bank, keep in mind that this impact affects banks throughout the world, not just in, in Switzerland in the West, but throughout the world. And particularly in the United States where you have people have large investments in terms of Chris Sweated, uh, so I'm credit, Swiss bank. Or they have large investments in it. As a consequence, in terms of these investments, in terms of Credit Suisse, when they lost 17 billion, when they lost 17 billion, 17 trillion with a T, so when they lost 17 trillion dollars, uh, it means that uh, their ability in terms of honoring their debt simply becomes impossible. Which means that banks in the United States lose tons and tons, billions and billions, in some cases trillions of dollars in terms of potential revenues which means that loss of those revenues means that the economy becomes that much more poor. So what happens when the economy becomes poor? Very, very simply, uh, we talk about rise of unemployment. We talk about a rise in terms of mass incarceration. We talk about a rise in racial strife in terms of ethnic strife and then people, you know, competing one group against another. We talk about a rise in terms of police brutality. And keep in mind, none of this stuff is going, none of this stuff is going to go anywhere. It's going to become vastly more, more, more worse as time goes on because it has no other choice. 
given the fact that the U.S. doesn't have the money in terms of providing to address these ills, then the only solution is brutality, mass murder, and killing, and incarceration to control the masses of people who don't have any hope, who have no access to jobs, who have no access to affordable housing, who have no access to quality education. Now, keep in mind, you know, there has been a discussion recently. Uh, it's not so much a discussion, but if they put it in place, it's in, it's in place right now. But the central bank digital currency, and that's essentially what that means is that the currency or the money itself will now be controlled by the central bank, which means that uh, your dollars at some point in, to some point in near history will become worthless. In other words, all of, all financial transactions will go through the central bank. They would effectively control the money, current, the money supply in American society, which means that if in fact there's a deficit in terms of in, in terms of the U.S. economy, they can simply take the money from your account, no problem whatsoever. So they're creating a situation where they can easily have the government easily has access to money, which means that your rights, uh, in terms of you know access to currency, or your right in terms of privacy, in terms of you know, uh, you know, as an individual, you know, uh, you know, uh, as an individual bank customer, no longer exists. You're essentially a blimp on somebody's computer, and they essentially control every aspect of your life. Think about that one. If you don't understand the implicit nature in terms of the slavery that's involved in this process, then please, by all means, research the central bank digital currency. Understand clearly what this is all about. And so, these problems that we're confronting when I talk about their, these problems being unique. Uh, to American society, they are, but specifically, they are very, very, uh, they're very, very poignant when it comes to the to to the issues in terms of the African community. Given the historical, uh, uh, social, economic uh, devastation that we have continued with, now superimposed upon it, we have a situation where even those meager earnings that we have access to are not even assured. So we're in big, big trouble. We must have organization. We need we we, we need institutions. We need to start seriously thinking about this stuff. Because once it hits, it becomes that much more problematic in terms of re- finding a resolution in terms of dealing with these problems. I don't want anybody to be. I don't want anybody to say in, in, in 10, 15 years, no, you know what? Nobody ever told me anything about this. I knew nothing about this. Well, I'm saying it right now. So if you never heard again, uh, remember you heard it on after on the move. I encourage you to go and learn as much as you possibly can about central bank digital currency, understand the history behind it. Uh, once you do that, then you understand just how precarious the situation is for African people in the society and throughout the world. And I'll close with that. Have a good night, Brother Africa. And you do the same, Brother Hackey. We thank you as well for your contributions to today's program. And Brother Anthony, we'll close us out tonight. Your final thoughts. Certainly. My final thought is that we must organize as uh, as never before, and uh, we must take the lessons uh, uh, tonight that we're learning about uh, slavery very seriously. And in that regard, I want to uh, I want to share with uh, people to check out African Liberation Day, Palestine Day next month. We'll be having a series of activities, uh, which you can find out if you keep an eye on our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. Our theme this year for African Liberation Day, Palestine Day, is Pan-Africanism, 
wage and class struggle in Africa and the diaspora, fighting for one unified socialist Africa. Uh, please keep that in mind, and please, uh, and we'll be an, uh, 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 announcing our planned activities for the month on our website. So please keep an eye on that. Once again, that website is www.a-aprp-gc.org. And you can learn more about the history of Pan-Africanism, the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, and African history in general. Please check it out. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Brother Anthony, for your contribution to today's program and to all of our panelists and analysts. We'd like to thank our listening audience, our supporters, our friends, and out on the move. We do want to remind you that if you would like to make a generous blessing to Africa on the move, you can do that. You can do it by either Zelly, and when you zell us, you will you type in African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com. That's by Zell, or you can use Cash App. And when you use Cash App, you can send it to dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, and small b. And all contributions will be used to continue our fight towards the liberation and unification of our people and our home, Africa. Tonight's thought is to remember, organization decides everything. Let's get organized. We thank you for listening to Africa on the Move. We'll see you next week, same time, same station. And we will always strive to go forward, Apple. Stock with never. Um, Brother Africa, and I leave you with Marvin Gaye when he asks the question, what's going on? We'll see you next week. Brother, brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love here today. Father, father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the end. For only love can conquer hate You know we've got to find a way To bring some love and kiss here today Pick it black and pick it fast Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see Right on.
Birdman hand rubs, feeling my palms itch, yeah. I need a spiritual thought with top that's top notch. We watch Black Power Docs and study our chakras. Ooh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. And we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out. Ooh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. Oh dear black man, tell me what happened You can't be low when your glow's everlasting Him when your ass been on Aspen like a has been Raising the trap when the gods talk math and moves with a max 10 Not that nigga back then, but look now nigga I'm established, cut camera action I cut lines with my sad card, my bitch is packing Then I'm cutting in line with a bad boy, they caught him flagging Then huddle around him with a stat chart look You stay awake up feeling better than I I ever been. Check out my melanin, it's now the makeup for the mannequin That wants to be the same as the slave on the sedative You kill culture, I give knowledge, I spit stylish Crane kicks and Balenciagas and speaking science And bodegas that grow flavors was taught language Was taught to talk with the razor from having Spanish neighbors I fought the haters, court cases and lost paper Educated killers walking no ladies cross the street Turn back around, walk across and sell hard to a fee No turning back now, rent you and your kids got to eat, yeah Black man rule the deep with the blood of a king, yeah Black man roses arose from the cold concrete I eat, walk, talk, gritty Snitches get buck fifty One slice buck fifty Both get cut quickly Until they free Goldie Nobody can fuck Talk with about Oh, child Don't you ever Come, come down You acting like the Sun ain't out We gon' cop a ticket And fly on out of here Fly on out Oh, child
sincero ¿De dónde crece la palma? Yo soy un hombre sincero ¿De dónde crece la palma? Y antes de morir me quiero Echar mis versos del alma
in the bean stock. Chop him down when these bitches try to lock me down. Hit the crown, hit the turf, walk the earth. Q kidnap your mind, daddy hurts. Bust a verse that'll make your ass hit reverse. Kill the curse that was placed on the universe. West Coast warlord, lock it in the black night. Fuck a black and white when they ain't acting right. Good cop, good cop, filling out your report. Bad cop asking you to distort. Bad cop asking you to lie in court. Send another young brother up north. Send another young sister off course. Why these motherfuckers kill on the golf course? Police showing out for the white cop. 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 Lazy cop. Fucking with that crazy cop. Always bragging about the new case they got. Do or die cop with that suicide cop. Tell the truth cop with that true lie cop. Are you fucking high cop? Don't even try cop. Ain't no motherfucking twelves up in my spot. All you find in my closet is a high top. And my motherfucking ticket to the skybox. Hold up, nigga. Hold up. I'm a rider. Use a roller. Yes, the controller. Make me mad. That's when I get swollen. The incredible hocus bipolar. Come out the cup. Knock off the rust Throw my hands up So you still wanna bust The closing horse Is full of excessive force When they try to get aggressive Niggas off the court Police showing out For the white cop 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 Good cop, good cop Where is your dignity? Where's your empathy? Where is your sympathy? Bad cop Where's your humanity? Good cop Is that just a fantasy? Venezuela y todo lo que se haga en Venezuela No solo es un ritmo, escucha las letras Tan 
criollo como que te vean y te digan, epa, que te chopen las manos. Al final del día, dale, hablamos. Y lo que más me alegra, la gente latina siempre será gente negra. Comandante, te amo. Que Dios te bendiga. ¿Dónde está Maranta? El Amaranta y el Pinky, ¿dónde están? ¿No? La cantera.
Balandina Chocho Long time ago For Ben Balandina Chimbunzi Long time ago For Tonga Landina Ichibunzi Long time ago Long, 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 long time ago Long time ago Africa Mambuna de carry sheets Long time ago We day sheeting that big, big hole Long time ago Long, 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 long time ago Time ago, before them comfort us the way as slaves. During the time them comfort us the way as slaves. Like European man, na him they carry sheets. For them culture to carry sheets. During the time them come colonize us. Them come teach us to carry sheets. Long, 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 long time ago. Africa man, we know they carry sheets. Long time ago. Like teach us to carry sheets. Long time ago. Many foreign companies, they Africa carry all our money go. Many foreign companies, they Africa carry all our money go. Them go right speak English for newspaper, Dabaru, we Africans. Them go right speak English for newspaper, Dabaru, we Africans. I read about one of them inside books like that, them calling him na ITT. I read about one of them inside books like that, them calling him na ITT. Them go the cause confusion, cause corruption, cause oppression, cause inflation. Them go the cause oppression, cause confusion, cause corruption, cause inflation, cause oppression. Confusion, cause inflation, cause oppression, 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 inflation, corruption, oppression, inflation. Them get one style way that they use. Them go pick one African man, a man with low mentality. Them go give a million naira bread. Come up high position here. Him go bribe some thousand naira bread. To become one useless chief. Like rat they do them go they do from corner corner passy passy under under passy passy side 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 passy passy in in passy passy out out passy passy p p p p passy passy in in passy passy corner corner passy passy under Passy, passy, side, this side, passy, passy, up, up, passy, passy, corner, corner, passy, passy, yonder, under, passy, passy, side, this side, then he gradually, 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 then he gradually, 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 them go be friend, friend to journalist, be friend, friend to commission, a friend. Friend to permanent secretary, friend, friend to minister, friend, friend to head of state, then start, start to steal money, start, start them call. I know they like to be 
Getting older and no 